Stories on Media. This is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goswell. Time now to hear from Matthew Diebler. He's a filmmaker and a TV producer working on the hit show Catfish. He's now living as an out-and-proud gay man in L.A., but he grew up in rural Ohio where he had a really tough time at school. I spoke to him in the Abbey Bar in West Hollywood, just ahead of L.A. Pride. The truth of the matter is, the first time I remember feeling that way, I was probably five or six, and I remember I had like an older, developed, post-puberty male cousin, and I remember watching him play basketball and having like a weird like infatuation with him and the fact that he was like muscled and he was like he was a developed male and I had never really been around like a young developed young man before and and it I found it like weirdly attractive so your cousin was your first crush yeah isn't that classy I'm a classy no it's not even necessarily that I had a crush on him but it was the first time I remember finding myself strangely like fascinated by the male body and so let's go through where you lived and where you grew up and what sort of time time zone we're looking at. Okay, I am uh, 37, so I grew up in the 80s and 90s okay. in rural Ohio. I grew up in a place that didn't even have a name. It was outside of a small town and there just weren't a lot of people around me. I didn't meet a gay person, an out gay person, until I was in college. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing certainly in the same as in the UK, really. Rural communities. You, mean, you obviously haven't got gay bars, you just haven't got any point of reference, have you, really? No, not at all. Um, and, you know, in, in America, Will and Grace came on TV in, I think, 98, 99. And that was my first exposure to homosexuals in any way and it was the first time I actually had the vocabulary to kind of put a sense of what I was you know where I grew up like it was very masculine focused it was very football focused it was very like beat up any guy that seems effeminate and so the concept of the word gay was only used as a weapon against me up until that point so I rejected it in a lot of ways because it was used as a way to attack me so did people call you gay even then before you even realized that you were gay maybe? Oh, very much so. Um, honestly, one of my first memories is being five and being at a playground and having a girl tell everyone not to play with me because I talked like a girl. And that was one of my first memories is being told I'm not good enough because I'm too effeminate. She sounds a right bitch. I know, I hated that girl. If I could go back in time, I would smack that five-year-old in the face. God. So it was obviously just not possible for you to come out then in rural Ohio. When, when was there a moment, was it a lot later on when you went to college that you felt able to come out? Um, when I was 18, I had graduated from high school and I got my first job. I was working at a fast food restaurant and there was a boy from a neighboring town that worked in that fast food restaurant that, well, had, had used to have worked at that restaurant that was gay and was openly gay. He, he went to one of the bigger city schools and there was like two gay kids in that school and he developed a fascination with me and he and I ended up dating for three and a half years but meeting him was the first time I recognized myself in somebody and 
and it was right before I went to college. It was the first time I admitted to myself. Everyone knew. Everyone called me gay. Everyone, except for my parents, because they weren't clued in for whatever reason. But ev everyone else knew I was gay and used it against me. But in that moment, like meeting that guy for the first time was the first time I was able to say it to myself. And how did it feel to, to meet the guy and actually admit it to yourself? It was interesting in that I had a lot of self-delusion surrounding it. There was this girl that worked there that wanted to make it a competition to see who could get him to go on a date with them. And, like, of course I wanted to go out with him. I wanted to explore my sexuality, but I didn't want to admit that's what I was doing. So I engaged her in this bet and then used that as an outlet for me to explore my sexuality. It was interesting. Hmm. So was it a scary time or was it an exciting time? Overall, it was very exciting, but at the same time, it's hard because, you know, it's mixed with a lot of this is why people beat you up growing up. And so there was a lot of enjoyment in the idea that you could be who you are, but also this sense of almost guilt that, like, you're letting them all be right. All these people that that beat the hell out of you for this thing that they called you are right now. And well, did they actually physically beat you up as well? I got beaten up a handful of times, yeah. Um, yeah, it, and, you know, it, again, rural Ohio is it's very country, it's very masculine, it's very football-focused. I had, you know, I had school administrators that would look the other way while I got beat up, like, it, it, because they considered it my fault. And, and they really thought that you deserved to be beaten up. That's terrifying. You know, no one ever said that out loud. But, um, you know, even at like 11, 12, which would have been the early 90s, I, I remember specifically there was a, a woman that was in charge of, of watching these things while we were on the playground. And a bunch of boys, a group of boys came and beat me up. And, and when I came to her afterwards, she said to me, well then you shouldn't be someone they want to beat up. You shouldn't be the way you are if you don't want to get beaten up. And like, it was her job to protect me. God, thank God we've hopefully moved on. Do you think it's got better in rural Ohio? I think so. It's kind of hard in America. Um, I would have said yes five years ago, but with the, the movement of the Trump administration and the empowerment of sort of the bigotry, to be fair, of the sort of disempowered heterosexual white man, they all feel very empowered to hate again. And I, honestly, going home is uncomfortable for me. I don't go to bars in my hometown because I don't know if I'm going to get out okay. You seriously still don't go back that often then? I go back to see my folks, but I am still extremely wary of where... Because, you know, I'm an effeminate dude. I'm effeminate enough that the Midwest sees it. And so... I was going to say, I don't particularly see you as that, but it's irrelevant if you are or not. You know, be, be effeminate, be masculine, be whatever you want to be. I mean, I... Being in Los Angeles and being on the coastal cities, absolutely. And even like in Ohio, something like Columbus, a city is one thing, but being out where, you know, I had 68 kids in my graduating class. We had to drive your tractor to school day. Like it was the country. And I have to watch myself because there are still people there with baseball bats that would love to have someone to take their anger out on. And being an effeminate guy is an excuse for them to be mad at the world and to have someone that will be socially justifiable to take that out on. So no wonder you now live in LA, but what was the moment where you thought, I just need to get out, and how did you get out? 
Honestly, I've always considered going back. I've always considered going back and running for public office and trying to, trying to change things. Uh, more than anything, you know, it, it sounds silly, but it had less to do with the social environment and more to do with work opportunities. I knew in the Midwest I couldn't, I couldn't find a cool job. And so I moved out to L.A. where... You know, I, I make television now. I make films. I, I get to write. I get to tell stories. I get to... I, and honestly, like, I, th I think the world is so influenced by media and by what they hear and what they see. And, and I want to be somebody who tells stories that will expand people's minds rather than close them off and, and enrage them. Well, that's interesting that you said that it was really influential for you watching Will and Grace. So now you want to make films and TV that, um, you know, acknowledges LGBT people, right? Absolutely. And um, my ex and I made a film together in which uh, it's a horror film called The Invisible Mother where there is a lesbian lead. And um, one of our goals in that, and I've always felt this way, I, I appreciate a media production that has gay people where being gay is not their sole function, where they're like a gay person who also just has a life and happens to be a gay person because then they're a real person and they're not just their sexuality. And because I think so often media mainstream media focuses on their sexuality as the narrative that I look forward to things where being gay is just a, a part of their character and that's what I'm trying to make. And it sounds like what, that's what you've done. So your lead character is not just a lesbian, she's a stoner and she's like part of a family and she then gets caught up in this whole sort of Victorian ghost story horror movie. Absolutely. It's, you know, it, it really again, it's, it's about her being me. It's about her being a person, being, you know, I'm a stoner, I'm, a, I'm not a lesbian, but I'm a gay person who's a stoner and part of a close-knit family, and, and I like the world where her family dynamic and the fact that she's a stoner is a higher defining moment in her life than her lesbianism, and yeah. Anyway, let's get back to your coming out story. Please. So you moved away to the Big Smoke to seek your fame and fortune in La La Land, but at what stage did you finally come out? I actually came out that same summer where I met that boy. Um, my mom, I was very close to. Growing up where I grew up, I didn't have a lot of people on my corner. My mom was somebody who has fought for me, so... And she's also, though, extremely... She always presumes the worst before she'll presume the best. Okay. And I started hanging out with a guy who was very effeminate and was very, I don't know, comfortable with who he was. And I know my mom and I believed that she was already under the impression that I was probably doing something she didn't approve of. Okay. And so he asked me out on a date for the first time, the first gay date I ever went on to a baseball game, to a Cleveland Indians oh. game. And the morning I was going to go on the date, I called my mom into my room and I told her that I thought maybe I was bisexual, because a lot of times that's how we all start the process. She didn't react extremely well, and she recommended that I not tell anybody else ever, and that it was probably a phase. and. It created a lot of dissonance in our relationship for a number of years. So I didn't come out to anyone else in my family. She recommended that I not, and I trusted her, so I kept it a secret for a while. And over the months, I think having that secret of mine really festered in her, and she kept saying to me, oh, I think your sister knows, you better tell her. And I did, and my sister didn't seem to mind. And then at a point, my mom told my dad, and he didn't seem to mind. And it was very interesting because 
she who I went to as the person who I thought would protect me from all of this ultimately I think was the one who had the biggest problem with it and so it was kind of interesting to see her struggle with everyone else not having an issue with it if that makes sense well a lot of gay people do say well LGBT people do say it's always a total surprise you never you can never just write down on a bit of paper this person will accept it this person won't it's a bit of a lottery sometimes isn't it that's an excellent point I mean you never know who you never know you never know who anyone's feelings are gonna be and for many years honestly my mom and I had a struggled relationship because of it but I ended up in um, college doing a paper on the development of the gay stereotype in America over the last hundred years and it really was educational in terms of teaching me like what my parents were taught gay people were so that like, you know and again because I grew up in the middle of nowhere like they didn't they didn't meet gay people they didn't have points of references other than what American culture told them to think of gay people and so for a number of years like I, that was what helped me forgive my mom and really develop a relationship with her again was understanding the lies that she had been fed her entire life to understand why she was so upset about this. So how's your relationship with your mum now? Um, we're really fantastic. Weirdly enough, she became obsessed with Clay Aiken from American Idol, who ended up being gay. And that also really helped our relationship. But like, uh, between me being able to understand where she was coming from and her eventually realizing that Honestly, if anyone was going to put my parents in a home, I was going to put them in the best one. So they, I think, had to finally just admit that, like, you know, whether they approve of it or not, they are wise to just accept it. Because I treat them well. I'm, I'm a good son. I love my folks. And I think they recognize that in the end. And do they come and visit you in LA? They met your boyfriends? Oh, they've been here twice. Um, it's a lot for them growing up and like they both grew up in the middle of nowhere. So coming to a big city is stressful for them. But they've been here twice. They came here for the premiere of our movie when we showed it for our friends and they're delightful. They they have met my boyfriends. I'm very militant about that. I have always been very like you will accept my life. You will accept my boyfriends or I'm not coming home. I'm not sure how they felt about it in all situations, but they've really, over the years, come to be really great about it and really accepting and kind, and at least as far as I can tell. If they hate it, they don't tell me, and that's important. And I'm guessing in your career, because um, you're sort of an independent filmmaker, any work in TV, it's not really been an issue being gay in LA? Interestingly, my day job is in reality television, and surprisingly, I'm almost always the only gay man at the office. Really? And you work at MTV? I, well, I work for a company that works for MTV. Oh, okay. But yeah, um, I've always been really surprised by that. I was expected more, yeah. but I also don't generally necessarily work on gay shows. If I was working on RuPaul's Drag Race, I assume everybody would be gay. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I should maybe point out you work on Catfish, which oh, yeah. I love, by the way. Oh, yeah, I work on Catfish, which I love as a gay person, as a queer person, because we we were some of the first representation in American culture of trans people, of sort of humanizing gay 
human, like real reality TV gay folks that aren't just sort of a cartoon. And so it's been a really nice position to be in. I get to tell the stories of these real people and I get to humanize people. And, and sometimes MTV asks for us to make them cartoons and I get to fight against that. And okay. there's at least something I can do for the community, even if it's nothing amazing, you know? And I'm here during LA Pride. Why, why is LA Pride or just any Pride celebration important to you? It's interesting. I love LA Pride because it's fun, mm -hmm. but I have a very different opinion of the Pride presentation in LA as opposed to rural Ohio. You know, okay. in rural Ohio, if you go to a nearby Pride, it is still truly people fighting against a world that wants to destroy them. And it is saying, I am here, I'm, I exist, acknowledge me. In LA, you know, like there's a whole neighborhood that we're sitting in right now that is just all gay people. Like, and so pride takes a very different, sort of more of a revelry experience and it's fun, I love it. But in terms of what it means to me, I have to say there's a part of me that yearns for the, the pride of a small town because it, to, it honestly, it means a lot more. It, it has more human value than the LA pride where it's just a big party. I kind of hope that once you've had all your big successful films in Hollywood that um, you do go back to rural Ohio and, and run for public office. I think you'd be great. I would love to. I, you know, uh, as I mentioned, you know, post-Trump administration, I'm not sure they would let me do it. I'm not sure anyone. Well, it's a democratic process, surely. Still. Certainly, but I, I would kind of like to. I'd like to go back there and make things better. You know, the opioid crisis has really destroyed my hometown. It's got a huge heroin problem. The destruction of the auto industry, like every, homelessness and drug problems, are rampant where I come from, and. You know, uh, I wouldn't mind going back and setting a good example, even just as a gay person, as somebody who cares and, you know, can show people the humanity behind the gay people they used to beat up. And finally, if there was anyone listening that maybe was growing up in rural Ohio or just somewhere rural or just somewhere where it was very difficult to be part of the LGBT community, what advice would you give to them? Honestly, the development of the internet is amazing. I didn't have that when I was young. Yeah. So uh, you can find a community. You can fi find people who agree with you and who who accept you for who you are. And don't exclude everybody else, because especially in a small place like that, you know, you might have three gay people in a 60-mile radius, but or at least out gay people. You know, be yourself because the best way to teach the people around you is for them to realize someone they love is gay and that person they still love. And the only thing that changes people's minds are, to, are that personal experience of saying like, oh, I, I want to hate gay people, but I love this person. So now that doesn't fit with my worldview. I need to re-examine my worldview. Huge thank you to Matthew Diebler for chatting to me. I really must check out his lesbian horror movie. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter. You can find us there at Come Out Stories. I'm Emma Goldswell, and Coming Out Stories is a What Goes On media production. Next time on Coming Out Stories, you'll meet JJ. He's a gas fitter from North Manchester, but he also goes by the name of Jesse and identifies as gender fluid. He told me he was terrified of losing his wife and kids when he came out to them. 
at the time, I was fully prepared to lose my wife in terms of I didn't know how she would take it. You know, it's it's a big thing to say to somebody that I think I might like this or I might be gender fluid or I'm not sure what it is. I, I didn't know what her reaction was, but I knew to go forward, we had to be honest.